Welcome to this week's episode of the Divine Lantern. With the blessing of His Eminence Metropolitan Basilios, the Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese presents a podcast to educate, empower and enrich. I'm your host Jonathan from Saints Peter and Paul Antiochian Orthodox Church in New South Wales. In this week's episode, we'll be joined by Father John, who'll be providing a message from the Gospel according to Mark, where St. John the Baptist is beheaded. This will be followed by short readings from our Philocalic Nourishment series, as well as a selected chanting track. We'll then conclude this week's episode with a reading from our Orthodox Library. But first, we would like to begin with the morning prayer service, or prayers upon awakening. O God, have mercy on me, a sinner. O God, have mercy on me, a sinner. O God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Glory to you, our God, glory to you. O heavenly King, Comforter, the Spirit of the Truth, you who are present everywhere and feel all things, the treasury of blessings and the giver of life, come and dwell in us, cleanse us from every stain, and save our souls, O gracious one. Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal, have mercy on us. Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal, have mercy on us. Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal, have mercy on us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and forever, and to the ages of ages. Amen. All Holy Trinity, have mercy on us. Lord, cleanse us from our sins. Master, pardon our iniquities. Holy God, visit and heal our infirmities for your name's sake. Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, now and forever, and to the ages of ages. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever and to the ages of ages. Amen. As we rise from sleep, we worship you, O good and powerful Lord, and to you we sing the angels' hymn, Holy, Holy, holy are you, O God. Through the Mother of God, have mercy on us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Having raised me from bed and sleep, O Lord, enlighten my mind, and open my heart and lips to praise you, O Holy Trinity. Holy, holy, holy are you, O God. Through the Mother of God, have mercy on us now and forever, and to the ages of ages, amen. Suddenly the judge will come, and the deeds of each will be laid bare. But at midnight, let us cry with fear, Holy, holy, holy are you, O God. Through the Mother of God, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy, 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 Lord, have mercy. 
Lord have mercy, 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 Lord have mercy. As I rise from sleep, I thank you, O Holy Trinity, for through your great goodness and patience, you are not angered with me, an idler and sinner, nor have you destroyed me in my sins, but have shown your usual love for men. And when I was prostrate in despair, you have raised me to keep the morning watch and glorify your power. And now enlighten my mind's eye and open my mouth to study your words and understand your commandments and do your will and sing to you in heartfelt adoration and praise your most holy name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, now and ever and to the ages of ages. Amen. The Gospel according to St. Mark. Let us attend. At that time, Herod the king heard about the fame of Jesus, for his name had become known. He said, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead. That is why these powers are at work in him. But others said, It is Elijah. And others said, It is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod had sent and seized John, and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him, and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and kept him safe. When he heard him, he was much perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came, when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias's daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will grant it. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you even half my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the baptizer. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry. But because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard and gave orders to bring his head. He went and beheaded him in the prison 
and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Do me a favor. Find a safe and quiet place and take a break. Close your eyes for a minute and think about where you are. Not physically where you are, but where are you when compared to peace in Christ? It seems like we're together. Together, but somehow we're also alone. We are hearing a lot of noise, like the rushing of wind, the crashing of waves. We are being tossed about in an ocean. But it is not an ocean of water. It's an ocean of confusion, an ocean of information, or perhaps an ocean of misinformation. We can't see them, but there are so many loud voices telling us what to do, what not to do. We try swimming one way, but we're swept up in a strong current. We try another way, but it comes crashing over us and we lose bearing. Looking above the rough waves, we desperately search for a place of refuge. There, over there, we see an island. It is Christ, paradise, truth. We take a breath. There, we need to be there, we say. But how do we get there? Here erupts a deep, loud voice that drowns out the ocean. Here is a path. We turn and we see a man standing firm. The waves, they have no impact on him. He's standing as firm as a lighthouse on a rocky cliff. And he lights up a path that was always there. How did we miss it? His voice is loud. He speaks so directly. His words are sharp. He wants us to hear him. But who is he? In the divine liturgy, after we have encountered God and his kingdom, but just before we go back to the world, the priest says a prayer for us to equip us. He asks for Christ to have mercy on us and save us through the prayers of his mother, the power of the Holy Cross, and through the powers of heaven. And then we hear this through the supplication, that is the plea, the begging of the honoured Glorious, prophet, forerunner, and Baptist, John. St. John the Baptist is the man who stands as a lighthouse. He is the voice of truth, drowning out the turmoil of falsehood. He is the one who points the way to salvation. And on August 29th every year, we remember the beheading of St. John the Baptist one of many church feasts that honour him. St. John, the cousin of Jesus Christ, the son of the prophet Zechariah, the son of St. Elizabeth. He was a monastic. He was a man of the desert. And he was imprisoned because he publicly chastised the lustful ruler, King Herod, by saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. The Synaxarion 
that is the life of the saint, says, Thus Herod, besides his other unholy acts, added yet this, that he apprehended John and shut him in prison. Being pierced with the sting of a mad lust for the woman Herodias, he laid his defiled hands on the teacher of purity. When Salome, Herodias's daughter, had danced in order to please him, he promised her that he would give her anything she asked, even unto the half of his kingdom. And she, consulting with her mother, straightway asked for the head of John the Baptist in a charger. Preferring his lawless oath above the precepts of the law, fulfilled this godless promise and filled his loathsome banquet with the blood of the prophet. So tragic was the circumstances of his death. So trivial were the people who killed him, and so disturbingly was his relics handled, that this feast day is marked in the Orthodox Church calendar for lamenting. On his feast day, the Church does not allow weddings, and we all fast strictly. For his great example, Christ and the Church honour him. Christ says of St. John, For I say to you, among those born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Luke 7, verse 28. Honoured. The church calls him honoured simply because he is a man worthy of honour and is worthy to be imitated in his holiness. He is honoured because he was honest with himself and with others. He is honoured because of his heavenly nobility. He is honoured because he spoke truth, not fearing for himself. Glorious. The church calls him glorious because he was wondrous in every human action he took. He is glorious because he was magnificent in doing what was commended from God, not just speaking about it. The church calls him glorious because of his grace-filled wisdom. He is glorious because he was able to turn the hearts of men, because he suffered and he had discernment. Prophet. The church calls him a prophet. The Synexarion says, He is the prophet born of a prophet. He is the seal of all the prophets and the beginning of the apostles. He is the mediator between the old and the new covenants. Forerunner. The church gives him the title forerunner. He is the forerunner because his only decision was to prepare the way of the Lord. Filled with the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb, John recognizes Jesus, also still in his mother's womb, as his Lord. John is the voice of one crying in the wilderness, the God-sent messenger of the incarnate Messiah, the forerunner of Christ's coming into the world. Thousands followed his signposts toward the island of refuge. Yet when he saw the silhouette of a man on the horizon, the divine Baptist knew it was the Messiah. St. John took the hands of the thousands of followers and he placed them in the hands of Christ. Even some of the apostles had followed him and had been formed by him. Yet the prophet of God decreed, He, that is Christ, must increase, but I, John, must decrease. He was the forerunner because he ran ahead 
only for the purpose of throwing himself down before Christ. He was the forerunner because even in death he set about to announce the good tidings even to those in Hades, that God has appeared in the flesh, taking away the sin of the world and granting us great mercy. Baptist, the church calls him the Baptist. And truly even more venerable than the prophets, since he was granted to baptize in the running waters him whom the prophets proclaimed. St. Mark's Gospel says St. John came proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So he was a baptizer of repentance, and repent was his message. He was the greatest born of women, according to Christ. Yet he gladly wore the rough camel hair, repenting on behalf of his people. He was mourning. He was repenting not for himself, but for the people of God, for us. We are in an ocean of misinformation and noise. But before us stands a great saint with a message from the Lord. He is preparing the way for us to the island of refuge. He is saying, take the straight path towards truth, towards Christ. He is telling us that the path is hard, but the alternative is sinking. His message is simple, ignore the noise and repent. Stop focusing on the matters beyond our control. Stop looking around at the ocean and realize where we are ourselves. He is saying, come to yourself. See how far you have drifted from our Father's house because we have been resisting Him. It is our sin that is leading us away from Him into the depth of despair. Just like Herod, the lustful king, have we fallen into the abyss of deep passion? Let us fall on our knees instead, beside St. John the Baptist, and follow his humble example. Let us repent in front of the Lord. Just like Herodias, the pride-filled mistress, do we easily take offense? Let us instead be hardened like St. John the Baptist, and instead easily take comfort in God. Just like Salome, the ignorant temptress, do we celebrate our sin and the destruction of others? Let us instead, like St. John the Baptist, not judge our brothers and sisters, and instead lead them to repentance. Let us be courageous. Let us be loyal. Let us be moral in all that we do. Let us repent. Through the prayers of the Divine Baptist, O Lord Jesus Christ our God, have mercy on us and save us. Amen. Thank you, Father John, for a spiritually awakening and insightful sermon. And now we'll hear a reading from the Philokalia. Take your weekly spiritual dose and reflect on the words of the Holy Neptic Fathers with this week's Philokalic Nourishment. The true ruler is he who rules over himself and has subjected soul and body to the intelligence. Saint Thalassios the Libyan It is better to pray devoutly for your neighbour than to rebuke him every time he sins. Saint Mark the Ascetic
Spiritual freedom is released from the passions. Without Christ's mercy, you cannot attain it. St. Thalassios the Libyan On August 29 in the Holy Orthodox Church, we commemorate the beheading of the Holy, Honourable, Glorious Prophet, Forerunner and Baptist, John. A defiled and blood-stained hand now cuts off with the sword the head of him who placed his hand on the head of the Lord. On the 29th, a bronze edge cuts the neck of the forerunner. Herod Antipas, son of the Herod who slew the young children in Bethlehem at the time of the Saviour's birth, ruled of Galilee when John the Baptist preached. The evil Herod put away his lawful wife, the daughter of Prince Aratas, and took Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, to live with him while Philip was still alive. John the Baptist stood up against this lawlessness and strongly denounced Herod, at which Herod threw him into prison and ordered him beheaded. The event is recalled in today's Orthros and Liturgy Gospel lections. John's disciples took the body of their teacher by night and buried it, but Herod tore out John's tongue with a needle and then buried his head in an unclean place. God quickly punished the evildoers. Prince Eratas, to avenge his daughter's honour, attacked Herod with his army and brought him to his knees. As exiles, Herod and Herodias lived in need and debasement until the earth opened up and swallowed them. Salome, Herodias's daughter, came to a bad end in the river Sicarus. The church commemorates the beheading today because a church that had been built over his grave in Sebastia by Emperor Constantine and Empress Helena was consecrated on this day. On this day, we also commemorate the Venerable Theodora of Thessalonica, Antheopistus and Joseph the Sanctified of Samaca. By their intercessions, O Christ God, have mercy upon us. Amen. The memory of the righteous is celebrated with songs of praise. But you, O forerunner, the Lord's testimony suffices. For you were shown indeed to be most honourable of the prophets, for in the waters you did baptise him who had been proclaimed. After suffering with joy on behalf of the true, you did proclaim even to those in Hades the God who appears in the flesh, who takes away the sins of the world and grants us the great mercy.
And now, a reading from our Orthodox Library. First Homily on Fasting A chapter from On Fasting and Feasts by St. Basil the Great So, let us acquire the disposition that we have been taught, not looking gloomily on the days of fasting we are currently observing, but cheerfully disposed towards them, as is fitting for the saints. No one crowned is despondent, no one glum holds up a trophy. Do not be gloomy while you are being healed. It is absurd not to rejoice in the soul's health, and rather to sorrow over the changing food and to appear to favour the pleasure of the stomach over the care of the soul. After all, while self-indulgence gratifies the stomach, fasting brings gain to the soul. Be cheerful, since the physician has given you sin-destroying medicine. For just as worms breeding in the intestines of children are utterly eradicated by the most pungent medicines, so too, when a fast truly worthy of this designation is introduced into the soul, it kills the sin that lurks deep within. Therefore, run cheerfully to the gift of fasting. Fasting is an ancient gift, not one antiquated and obsolete, but ever fresh and at the height of its vitality. Fasting is as old as humanity. It was legislated in paradise. It was the first command that Adam received. You shall not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat legislates fasting and self-control. If Eve had fasted from the tree, we would not need this fasting now. For those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. We have been injured by sin. Let us be healed by repentance. But repentance is futile without fasting. Cursed is the ground, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. You have been ordered to be sorrowful, not to indulge yourself. Make satisfaction to God through fasting. Now the manner of life in paradise is an image of fasting, not only insofar as man, sharing the life of the angels, achieved likeness to them by being content with little, but also because those who lived in paradise had still not dreamt up what humans later discovered through their inventiveness. There was still no drinking of wine, still no animal sacrifices, not to mention whatever else beclouds the human mind. It is because we did not fast that we were banished from paradise. So let us fast that we may return to it. Don't you realize that Lazarus entered paradise through fasting? Do not imitate the disobedience of Eve. Then again, do not take the serpent as your advisor, who suggests that you eat out of regard for the flesh. Do not use bodily weakness and illness as an excuse, for you are not giving such excuses to me, but to someone who already knows. Tell me, are you unable to fast? Are you able to stuff yourself throughout life? Are you able to wreck your body with the heaviness of food you've eaten? And yet I know that physicians do not prescribe a variety of foods for the sick, but rather not eating and going without food. So then, if you are able to comply with one treatment, how can you allege that you cannot follow the other? What is easier for the stomach? To pass the night with plain fare? Or for it to lie there, weighed down by an abundance of food? Or rather, not for it to lie there, 
but for it to be constantly upset, bloated, and grumbling. And so when human bodies are weighed down with unremitting self-indulgence, they are easily inundated with illnesses. But when the body takes nourishment that is light and easy, they escape with the impending evil that arises from sickness like a swelling storm, and they evade the present distress that acts like the assaults of a tempest. In fact, the faculty that keeps the body alive easily digests a moderate amount of light food and makes it suitable for nourishment. But upon receiving a variety of extravagant foods and then not being satisfied with reaching its limit, it engenders many kinds of sicknesses. All the saints received fasting as a kind of paternal inheritance, observed it as such, and handed it on father to child. And so through a chain of succession, this asset has been preserved even for us. In paradise, there was no wine. There were still no animal sacrifices, still no eating of meat. After the flood, wine. After the flood, God said, Eat everything as you eat green plants. The enjoyment of meat was conceded only when the hope of perfection was lost. Yet we also know that Moses arrived at the mountain through fasting. For when the peak was covered with smoke, he would have neither dared nor had the confidence to enter into the thick darkness unless he had armed himself with fasting. Through fasting, he received the written law on the tablets by the finger of God. Fasting begets prophets and strengthens mighty men. Fasting makes lawgivers wise. It is a good guardian of the soul and a safe companion for the body. The best weapon, a training regime for contestants. It drives away temptations. It readies for piety. It is the companion of sobriety and the craftsman of self-control. In war, it teaches bravery. In peace, stillness. A big thank you to all our listeners as we conclude this week's episode of The Divine Lantern. Be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favorite podcast provider. And for more information on our Archdiocese, follow us on our social platforms by searching Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese Australia. Stay safe and have a lovely week.